गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय सान्यश महाप्रभु श्री चैतन्य देव सान्यस लील की जय अबीर बाप माहौर शक्ति तीसरीला नारोतम दास ठाकुर की जय गोर भक्त वृंद की जय गोर प्रेमानंद हरि बो So, good morning from Raleigh here. I'm in North Carolina, United States, as you may know. And good afternoon, good evening over there in Bulgaria to all of you. It's my pleasure to to be again as in our monthly Q&A meetings. So, I don't know if you would like to begin with any questions i don't know how many questions do you have mahaprabhu if you have any i don't know you tell me yes we have we have we have total of 1 questions depends on the time <clears throat> okay <clears throat> we can begin so, with the first one yeah the first one is from duyanitai and he is asking uh, which is your favorite pastime of nityananda prabhu <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those are difficult questions, especially because it's like when someone asks you, "What's your favorite book?" It's like I'm just thrown into a ocean of anxiety because so many there are so many, and it's difficult. You may say this is the one I like the most because of this, but immediately a second one comes to your mind, and this this also is my favorite one, and this also my favorite one. So I will say something of course but <laughs> I'm trying to I mean I, I cannot decide so I, I may say something but please do not just think that I mean all all of them are my favorite in one sense that that happens with the absolute no was was the favorite thing about the absolute and everything we could say no so <clears throat> in connection to to Nityananda Prabhu I mean so many things could be said regarding his his lila and 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 the importance of it and but well the point is that personally and and, and I may sound a little bit too um too obvious with that but I I will say that the one that I feel at least in this particular moment in my life because in time that may change also we change and we we will feel more connected mainly with one particular lila with one particular aspect of divinity with this with that but these days uh, i was thinking a little bit about this famous jagai madai lila mm. which again we may say that's the most well known one and you may be expecting something more unknown or exotic but that's there's a lot to to extract from from such a lila as you may know uh which speaks about the well one of one of the many ways that we are being told instructed about the nature of of Nityananda's mercy and of course this is very proper because we have we were celebrating some days ago Nityananda Trayodasi and we were speaking about the nature of costless grace and how costless grace has this particular tendency to extend itself towards the ones who deserved it the less so that's something that we really 
have to figure that out in our own minds and hearts. It's not that easy to understand that and it's not easy to 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 accept that, if you will, because as I mentioned the other day in one lecture we had here, if you are to receive costless grace means there is nothing you can do to deserve it. And there is nothing you will, ne you will ever be able to do to deserve it. And that requires the price to pay is great humility, because you have to acknowledge this most crucial substance, costless mercy, is the main thing that is sustaining my life, that is giving me adhikar, eligibility for bhakti, is the main thing that is sustaining my practice, my ideals, and I do not deserve it. And no matter how much I make an effort, I will never deserve it. The more effort I make, the less I will feel I deserve it. <laughs> That's how it will work. It's quite paradoxical. Because we move in a world of deserving. We want to deserve, we want to have merit, and that has to do with the realm of justice and karma. And mercy has to do with transgressing karma and overriding of justice. So in this pastime of Jagai Madai, you may know the story, but Jagai Madai mainly are, <clears throat> as you know, in the Bhagavatam is narrating this idea of Jai and Bijai, the, 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 the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, who fall from Vaikuntha, quote-unquote, fall from Vaikuntha, only in the context of Lila and engaging with Bhagavan in some sportive uh, wrestling, if you will. Mm -hmm. They knew he had that, that desire, he wanted to, to taste what is known as Bira Rasa, <clears throat> which means the chivalry mood hmm, of some having some wrestling. But of course, Narayan wants to experience Bira Rasa, and Rasa is only experienced by Bhagavan in connection to his devotees, not with a non-devotee, because Bhagavan is never moving outside of the context of the Swarup Shakti. I mean, Bhagavan is never in touch with something apart from Swarup Shakti. So he cannot have a, a wrestling match with a non-devotee, because that means he enters in touch with Maya Shakti, and that will compromise the position of Bhagavan. So the point is, in order to, for him to taste Bira Rasa, which is the mood of chivalry and wrestling, he has to wrestle with a devotee. He has to interact with Sarup Shakti. But who in Vaikuntha will offer Narayan a good fight? <laughs> Nobody. Because Vaikuntha, the mood is Aishwarya. Everyone is offering respect, there is some distance, there is love, but there is a very clear awareness of Narayan as God, and that establishes very clearly the distance between the object of worship and the worshipper. And the mood of Vaikuntha, as you know, is majesty, reverence, so nobody will approach Narayan for, for a good wrestling match, if you will. But Jai and Bijai, being gatekeepers, they have this capacity of feel, he wants to taste that. So how we can do it? How we can do it? They offered themselves. Whatever it may necessary, we are willing to, to facilitate your, your wish. So as you may know, that takes the form of a whole lila, of different lilas that unfold, where the four kumars uh, are traveling around space and they reach at one point by Kuntha and the gatekeepers. This is an arrangement again for this to happen. They do not let the Kumars enter by Kuntha and the Kumars become enraged and curse, curse the gatekeepers to fall from by Kuntha. So, of course, if you analyze this, there is an arrangement because, first of all, gatekeepers of by Kuntha, I mean, if they are the gatekeepers of by Kuntha, they have proper 
eligibility for doing so, and they have the vision to recognize great personalities like the Kumars, so they wouldn't have never forbidden them to, to enter. Second, the four Kumars are self-realized sages, they who, have, they who have never become angry and cursed someone from Vaikuntha. But all this happened. So this is Lila again, this particular context. And then Jai and Bijai, the gatekeepers from Vaikuntha, apparently are falling from Vaikuntha, where actually we know nobody falls from Vaikuntha. Not even a leaf, as they say, falls from Vaikuntha. So all this actually is some arrangement made by Swarup Shakti in order to facilitate Bhagavan's tasting of Vira Rasa. So the point is, in, in brief words, this is a long story, but they choose to be born on earth seven times as, as, as saints or three times as de demoniac people. And so they say, we want to go three times as Asuras. So we can go back here as soon as possible and also being born as demonic people, for sure we will be wrestling with Bhagavan. And that's what he wants, actually. He wants a big fight. So if we go as demons, that will, create, that will increase even the taste of Vira Rasa. So in that way they were they fell, quote unquote fell, and they first appear in Satya Yuga, Siranyaksha, Niranyakashipu, and as you know they they had a good fight with Barahadev and Nishrinhadev respectively. All this is narrated in the Bhagavad. Then they were born again in Treta Yuga and they were born as Ravana and Kumbakarna, who were uh, basically killed in the context of Ramlila, and there we have another good pair of wrestlers in, in order to, to have exchange with Bhagavan, Ramachandra. And then in Krishna Lila they appear as Sisupal and Danta Bakra, hmm? who, who in, 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 in Dwapara Yuga, and they were killed in the context of Krishna Lila hmm? by Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So at that point the curse was over, they were able to return to, to Vaikuntha, but it is said that they heard about What's going to happen in Kali Yuga, and this particular Kali Yuga, Swayam Bhagavan Krishna will appear as Sriman Mahaprabhu. So they didn't want to lose such an encore hmm, descent of, Ma of Bhagavan. They said, we will go there also. We will extend that to a fourth appearance there. No? <laughs> so they appeared there as Jagai and Madai. Hmm? It is mentioned. Jagai and Madai, who were, it is said, basically known in all Nadia as... as criminals, if you will, they were stealing and, and killing and doing all types of sins, but somehow or other they never engaged in Vaishnava Parad, interestingly. <laughs> they all engaged in sin, if you will. But they were really pretty degraded personalities. So, the story goes, I will be brief because it's really detailed, but you may know already the story. And eventually one of them, the two of them, Nityananda Prabhu was there with Mahaprabhu in this particular period, seven-month period that my Guru Maharaj described the other day, between Nityananda Prabhu meeting Mahaprabhu in Navadiv, and after seven months Mahaprabhu is accepting sannyas, which today is the day we are celebrating Mahaprabhu's sannyas lila as well. So it was a period of seven months that Nityananda Gauranga spent together in Nadi along with other associates. So at one point there, Nityananda was so much again, inclined towards giving the topmost mercy and giving Mahaprabhu himself to others, especially in the direction of the, the, the most fallen people. So he got the news, Jagai Madai are the worst of all. So he felt naturally inclined, I have to go there. I have to extend Mahaprabhu's grace there. He's Mahabhadan Nyaya. He's the one who represents the highest thing and that is being given even to the lowest. So we have to keep that name 
of Mahaprabhu updated. So Nityananda Prabhu is really in charge of that. <laughs> so he went to Jagai Madai and as you know, eventually Jagai Madai threatened Nityananda Prabhu, get out of here, they were drunk, they were out of their minds, they did not appreciate Nityananda, he insisted Nityananda, Bhaja Goranga, Kaha Goranga, Laha Goranga, imploring to them, crying, please chant the name of Goranga, your life will be successful. I know sometimes insisting, they were taking him, threatening him, get out of here and so on. And at one point, one of them breaks a pot on Nityananda's head and Nityananda's head starts to bleed. So at that point, Nityananda Prabhu was falling to the ground to them, imploring, please, chant the name of Goranga, just say Goranga once and so on. So the news of this came to Mahaprabhu, who already knew Nityananda is trying to convert Jagai Madai, but these are the worst of all. And again, they represent the worst of all in ourselves, if you will, also. I mean, we, we should say, I'm Jagai Madai. If I identify with someone in Gorlila, it's with Jagai or Madai, maybe. No, I won't say Gadadar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, Pundarik It's Jagai Madai, it's Ramachandra Puri. There are many figures that are there to personify many of the Nartas we have to deal with before entering Gorlila. So Mahaprabhu already knew Nityananda is trying to convert them, and of course he knew that will that was going to happen. But again, something happened in between, and the news came. One of them, I think, it was Madai. He broke the pot on Nityananda's uh, head, and Nityananda's head is bleeding, and he's crying at their feet to implore their mercy. But Mahaprabhu, when he heard someone was hurting Nityananda, it was too much for him. So for a moment. Hmm. And of course, in the context of the Lila, but he he went out of his mind, transcendentally speaking, and he forgot the main mood of his descent, and he appeared on the scene, Mahaprabhu, with Sudarshan Chakra in his hand, right to behead hmm, the two brothers. Hmm. And again, we remember Mahaprabhu in Gorlila, he's not killing anyone. Hmm. Mahaprabhu is coming in the mood of Audarya, which means he's killing the demonic mentality, but he's not killing the people per se. Hmm? So he appeared with the Sudarshan, as we always say, Sudarshan means proper vision, actually, Darshan means vision and Su means proper. So it refers to bestowing proper vision. So sometimes the head has to be cut in the sense of wrong vision is in this part. So the cutting of the head means we are replacing wrong uh, thinking. Hmm? So Mahaprabhu appeared with the Sudarshan and at that point Nityananda Prabhu fell to his feet and said, please, this is not this is not the mood in the, in your in this present descent in this present avatar. Please, you are not killing people. You are uh, redeeming them. Give your mercy to them. Please, do not kill them. So at that point, Mahaprabhu, of course, took the Sudarshan off out, and uh, and I and I, he, he says I cannot forgive them because they offended you, not me, and I cannot tolerate someone offending you. You are so dear to me. I mean, we have to understand how close Nityananda was to, to Mahaprabhu, how close is, how dear is Balaran to Sri Krishna. So, and Mahaprabhu made this point, of course, also, if we offend someone, I don't know, if I commit aparat towards, I don't know, Doyal Nitai, hopefully never, but I'm giving just an example, I cannot go to Mahaprabhu and say, Mahaprabhu, please forgive me for my offense towards Doyal Nitai. He will tell me, I mean, I can not. I can do nothing here. You have to speak with him. He's the offended one. So this is an important point. If we may engage some in some apparat, hopefully not, we should beg 
and obtain forgiveness from the offended person, not from someone else. That makes sense. So Mahaprabhu established that. Say, if you obtain, if if Nityananda Prabhu forgives you, and when Mahaprabhu said that, he didn't even finish the sentence. He said, if Nityananda Prabhu forgives you. Nityananda Prabhu already appeared on the scene and fell at the feet of Mahaprabhu. I forgive them. <laughs> no, I fully forgive them. I give all my mercy to them. So at this point, Jagai Madai were, were already uh, totally converted, basically. No. To say that even before that, the, the whole conversion began. There is a lot to say about that, but I don't want to overextend. So eventually, of course, Jagai Madai became two of the main devotees of, of Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu especially. And it is said that they, there is one gath there in Navadip, also called the Jagai Madai Gath. So it's a very well-known place. They, they used to stay there and they were welcoming all the different pilgrims that went to Navadip and visit Mahaprabhu and they will honor them and serve the Vaishnavs. Like in a, their, their transformation, their conversion went to that extreme from from breaking the head of Nityananda to serving all the Vaishnav community by the grace of Nityananda. Only that type of grace can perform such miracles. So I, I really like this Leela because it really speaks about... Again, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami will say Jagai Madai Haitimune Se Papista Purisirakita Haitimune Se Lagisna which means the first line saying I'm more sinful, I'm more sinful than Jagai Madai he says and some other things he says as well. But then he says, but by Nityananda's grace, I'm, I'm writing this. I'm writing Chaitanya Charitamrita by his grace. Given the point, I mean, his grace is such that even someone who is more fallen than Jagai Madai, because Jagai Madai were sinful, but Nityananda Prabhu appeared on their lives and they, and they embraced him eventually. But the spirit of Krishna Das was, in my case, I have not embraced Nityananda Prabhu's gracefully. Of course he's doing that, but in his extreme humility he was like that. So at least I personally I feel I I'm really actually more fallen, more sinful than Jagai Madai. But really it's, it's not false humility. <laughs> so though I feel inspired by, by hearing that Lila because it still gives hope, even though there is some pain in one's heart by feeling I'm, I have not yet fully acknowledged the gift that came to my life, have not fully embraced that. Still there is hope, the grace of Nityananda Prabhu, at least if you are a little sincere, try to be sincere at least, hope to be sincere and try to remain the company of those who are sincere, the sadhus, for sure that grace is, is, is warranted. So I'll, I will choose that one, but maybe you ask me some other day, I may, I may choose some other lila of Nityananda Prabhu, because all of them are really very, very inspiring. So thank you so much for, for the question. Nityananda Prabhu Ki Jai. Let's continue with the second one. Thank you very much. Um, the second one is from Ganga Shakti. Okay. And, and, and I think it comes from uh, your Vaishnava etiquette classes. Okay. Uh, and Sadaka uh, So, we spoke that the body should be seen as a Sadaka Deha, a gift from the Guru, through which we do our Sadhana and service. What is a healthy way to look at this when the initiating guru has comprised his position through inappropriate behaviors? I mean, she, I think she means compromised mm. his position through inappropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, that shouldn't change, basically. I mean, of course, 
we know that some, those things may happen. Those things have happened. Maybe closer. To, to, we have some close examples. Maybe we, we may begin with some of our own examples in that connection. There are many cases. But for me, that's secondary in this case. I mean, the gift was given there. And uh, for me, it's not a matter of, okay, but when my guru gave me the Sargadeha, he was in one particular standing. Eventually, something happened. His standing is no longer that. So... I should receive reinitiation to receive re receive Sarakadeha. I've lost my Sarakadeha. Or I wouldn't speak, my, express, conceive that in like such mathematical way, if you will. No? I mean, I, I'm sure that those of you who have received uh, Sarakadeha or uh, from from someone who eventually uh, was not in in the best standing as as when that person was given the sadaka they had that maybe also some problem was at that time but different standing was there i mean there was a sadaka they have been given there and, and also a great part of the deal here and as and as this is what i always try to to emphasize is is our part of that because also you can get initiation from the topmost paramahamsa mahabhagavat and put all the titles you like but if you are not taking advantage of the gift, I mean, how much do you have a sadhakadeha, if you will? So that's a point. No? I mean, guru giving a sadhakadeha means try to to go to the to the idea of the is his he or she is giving us the possibility of taking advantage of of the gift the person is giving us. The person is this person is giving us nam mantra, the potential to engage in sadhana. So as much as we do that, we can say, I have a sadhaka deha. That's what I mentioned in the lecture. I mean, sadhaka deha is the body of a sadhaka, and sadhaka is someone who engages in sadhana. And sadhana means to use our senses, to interact with the sense objects for the pleasure of Bhagavan. So as much as we do that, we can speak in terms of, I have a sadhaka deha, I am using that, I am a sadhaka, I am engaged in sadhana. As much as we do nonsense, our body is something else, if you will. So that's the point. So it's, it's, of course, again, we spoke about, yes, in the beginning there is a gift, we received that from Sri Guru, from the Vaishnava, so that's there, in, in the case of Ganga Shakti, in the case of all of you, uh, no matter the circumstances that may have come after, on one level or another. Of course, we may reconnect with Vaishnavas and Sadhus and take shelter of different personalities that nourish our life, and we will continue receiving from them Bhakti scars and all these impressions will inspire us to to continue engaging in sadhana and that will continue uh, affecting our sadhakadeha because even if you like to think like that oh maybe originally the person who gave me my sadhakadeha was not in the best standing and eventually in time the standing became even worse whatever you may like to conceive but you are you always have the possibility of connecting with with sadhus. So, if, if you connect with proper sadhus and higher sadhus and so on, from there you will receive the further nourishing inspiration, commitment, connection that will help your sadhakadeha to, to become higher and higher. Because again, it's not that we are not speaking here about topmost quality sadhakadeha, middle quality sadhakadeha, or no, I mean, my guru is Uttam Bhagavata, so he gave me an. Uttam Bhagavata Sadaka Deha, my guru is not so high, so my Sadaka Deha was so so. 
again, it has to do a lot of how what you do with that, how which advantage you take of that, and how you engage in bhakti through that, and you may eventually get connected with other sadhus, siksha gurus, whatever, and continue, continuing, uh, drenching, if you will, your sadhaka deha. In, 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 the, in their association. So I wouldn't give much time, space that in, in one's mind about what's what's happening with my sadhakadeha. Do I have a sadhakadeha? What about it? I mean, you have a sadhakadeha. We all have. And the, the main question is what I'm doing with that. And how can I make my sadhakadeha more sadhakadeha? How can I increase the sadhakaness, if you will, <laughs> In, in my in my sadhaka day, how I can increase my identity as a sadhaka, how can I embrace sadhana uh, more comprehensively? What should I do? What what is there to be done? What can I do? And I am am I doing all the things that I could I do or or I should do? I could do some other things and I'm not doing them. I mean, at first I should ask all those questions. If, if and if the reply is, I know I should I could do some more things to to increase the quality of my sadhakadeha, and I'm not doing them, so I will say, in that moment, you for, we concentrate of, concentrate in the direction of, of doing those things gradually, and, and not giving place to any other uh, doubt or consideration in this type of, of connection. So continue, continue with your sadhakadeha, it's there, so let's stay, continue taking advantage on that, on that of, in good association. Next question. Next question is from Bhakti Shakti. She wanted to ask, her, ask it herself, so yes. she will. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you, Maharaj. I, I was just listening now to your uh, Gora Ashtakala Lila uh, because before I couldn't hear. I like very much there how you connected our. Um, Sadaka, our sadhana following, and how in that lila uh, we can just like eternally do that. Eternally, we can we can meditate on this sadhana we do every day, and then somehow connect ourselves during this, like for the in the lila of Mahaprabhu. So I just wonder, because I liked very much this connection, uh, you made it very alive. And uh, it, it has always been before, like, uh, now I do this sadhana in order to do something else, let's say, in Krishna Lila. Mm. But somehow in the Goru Lila is uh, very much connected that you do now what you will continue to do in eternity. And this is very enchanting and very it feels very alive somehow what would you recommend how to approach this type of meditation and how to actually make like this to 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 connect ourselves better somehow to to this and what you would say in this connection thank you Mm -hmm. well i think it was clear the the point that bhakti shakti made basically what he emphasized was this idea that we mentioned in, in, in this series of lectures on the, the, the eightfold division of pastimes eternally in, in, with Mahaprabhu and Nityanabhadu, which the point was, well, Nityanabhadu is called Sadhana Siddha Bhumi, which means 
Talika Siddhabhumi, the, the, the land with, where perfected beings behave as sadakas, express themselves in the context of being a practitioner. But as my Guru Maharaj will say, they are practitioners, but they are at the same time perfected beings. So the point is, if a perfected being engages in practice, all the wonderful things that the scriptures say that will happen when you embrace the practice perfectly will happen there at every single moment. <laughs> so scripture says, if you just sing half a syllable of the Maha Mantra, you will pass out if you sing it properly. So that happens in, in Gorlila, Nityanavati. They are not able to finish their 16 rounds ever. <laughs> they send half a syllable and they faint in ecstasy. So you shouldn't ask them, how many rounds did you chant today? No, that, that won't happen there. They sing, Hare Krishna, that's all, finished. <laughs> so we hear those things in the scripture. They say, now if you for just a, mil, a nanosecond associate with a great personality, this and that will happen. So that will happen in Nityanavadu. Just for that second, everything is coming. All the fullest, the topmost, highest conceivable result of each aspect of the practice, that's happening there at every moment. So my Guru Mahasa always quotes that because sometimes someone told him, I like Gaur Krishna Lila, but Gaur Lila doesn't seem so thrilling, so interesting. But Krishna Lila has these dynamics and this parakia and this excitement and... and, and and secrecy, and but Gaur Lila doesn't seem so exciting. So he was replying certain these things. You don't see that so exciting? I mean, every possible highest thing that you can attain in practice, that's happening there at every single moment. So that's more than than exciting. <laughs> so that's a very, very unique, interesting uh, realm, if you will. And of course, as we all would mention, that realm is extending itself towards us now. We are somehow or other participating in Gaur Lila because we are engaging as sadhakas. And again, Gaur Lila has to do with sadhakas. Of course, with sadhakas, Nityanavadik has to do with sadhakas being perfected. We are yet not siddhas, not perfected beings, but we are sadhakas. So that's already a glorious attainment, which again, is an attainment due to mercy. Do not forget this part. <laughs> And as Bhakti Shakti mentioned, and the, the interesting point that connection is that whatever we are doing as sadhakas, we will continue to be doing that as siddhas in Gaur Lila, eternally. We are chanting Harinam, we will be chanting Harinam. We are serving the Vaishnava, we will be serving the Vaishnava. We are worshipping the deity, we will be worshipping the deity. Of course, the difference is there we will be siddhas there, there will be Prem. So... That's a huge difference also. We should understand that. <laughs> in one sense, there is no difference at all. In one sense, there is a big difference. Because one thing is to do all the things we are doing, I don't know, out of a sense of duty, out of, I'm suffering, so I will do that to get some relief, or I have to do that, or I will do that so I, I obtain followers and I'm a great devote in the community, <laughs> whatever separate motivation i'm doing i'm not engaging for those things in them for themselves in and of and of themselves but when we mature our bhakti we will realize this is the practice this is the goal this is the sadhana but this is the satya at the same time narutam das Thakur, today we are also celebrating his appearance day he will mention this idea 
The only difference between sadhana and sadhya, which means practice and goal, has to do with the degree of maturity. That's all. It's like speaking about a fruit. No? A, a immature fruit, mature fruit. Green mango and red mango, if you will. Mm? Bitter mango, sweet mango. So in the beginning we are practicing, that's part of the practice, but still we are not fully enlightened, we are not Siddha, so sometimes we feel bitterness. Not because bhakti is bitter, hmm? but because there is bitterness in us, there is separate interest in us. <laughs> so whenever, whatever we bite, we feel, oh, it's bitter, it's bitter. But it's not the fruit that is bitter. It's, we have the problem in our own mouth. We have jaundice, as Rupa Goswami will say. <laughs> so... So yes, on the same on the same time we we have, we receive this beautiful prospect that whatever you are doing that and this is I think this is important because again in the beginning the motivation may be as Bhakti Shakti say okay I'm do I'm embracing Gaur Lila so that I eventually go to Krishna Lila and that's I was speaking actually yesterday with my Guru Maharaj we we were speaking we in in a call for a good time and um, well. Basically, the point we were speaking is this, that mainly most of the... Because we were speaking about some idea of a writing project eventually on, on Nitya Navadvip, on entering into the details of having this eternal prospect in Navadvip in Gorlila. And the point was that for many devotees in the Gaudiya community, this is not practically emphasized or spoke, spoken about. For many devotees, Gorlila is a bridge to Krishna Lila only. That's all. It helps us now as sadhakas. But Siddha corresponds to Braj. But here we're saying, Sadaka Siddha Bhumi. There's another Siddha Bhumi, another land for perfected beings. In Braj, yes, but also in Nadia. But for many devotees, and, and, and again, this is not something to be imposed. I mean, if you want only to go to Braj, that's possible also. There are many cases of devotees. My Guru Maharaj have told me, he has spoken in confidence and they say, I'm 100% in the direction of, of Vrindavan Bhakti. Um, okay, there's a place for that. But the other prospect is there. And it's coming, of course, in a very special way in, in our Sampradaya, Gaudiya Sampradaya, uh, in our Bhakti Vinod Parivar also, that's especially coming since Bhakti Vinod Thakur was someone who really, he's called sometimes the seventh Goswami. Hmm? We may say, why the seventh Goswami? Of course, many things could be said about that. But one of the things is, uh, similarly to how the Goswamis were excavating Krishna, places of Krishna Lila, Vrindavan, and establishing the glories of Radha Krishna and Braja Bhakti, they were not speaking that much about Mahaprabhu directly. Their, their goal was to establish um, Radha Krishna, Vrindavan, and, and so on. And in, of course, if you read properly the Goswamis, you will conclude there has to be a Mahaprabhu. And Bhakt, but Bhakti Notakur was really overtly speaking about Mahaprabhu, about Nitya Navadvip, hmm, and rediscovering the Yoga Pith. So in that sense, we could say he was considered the seventh Goswami also because of his contribution in Gorlila. So we are part of that Bhakti Parivar. That's my point. So we are receiving this particular connection with the Gorlila in eternity even. So I would say it's nice to conduct ourselves in our daily sadhana and try to understand, like over and over again, reflect on this idea. What I'm doing, 
I project myself to do that for eternity, so I should do that tastefully, if you will. I should I should feel some. I mean, because if I doing something that I don't like, try to imagine this, and I tell you, and you will be doing that for eternity, <laughs> it will sound like hell for you. No, so we should first of all fix our own conception of this, because again, in the beginning, we may be practicing to stop suffering, to obtain blessings in a material realm or because of a sense of duty God has to be worshipped or because I embrace Gaur Lila to go to Krishna Lila but none of those options are considering this point that is whatever I'm doing now as a sadhaka I will be doing that eternally as a sadhaka perfected sadhaka in Nityanavadu so we should like invoke that idea into our prospect even though in the beginning there may be still some separate interests and some desires that are part of being a sadhaka. Of course, they need to be uh, dovetailed and purified in time. But Krishna says in the Gita, He knows there are different people who approach me. Some of them are afflicted. Some of them are looking for wealth. Some of them want knowledge. And some of them are wise. So being wise, they approach me for who I am and want to serve me for my own sake but the other three they approach me for their sake with their agenda <laughs> but I receive them I reciprocate with them in kind in such a way that gradually they become the wise type of person so we should see where we are in, in, in those categories if you will but generally as, as I always say we begin our practice coming from the afflicted cloud if you will the cloud of the afflicted ones we were suffering <laughs> We have been slayed by, by Maya Shakti and, and we want to, uh, relief to that, no? some breath. So, but eventually we realize that's not all. Hmm? To be free from suffering, that's, it does not constitute the positive side to, to life. So we want some positive content, progressive and positive immortality, as Silesia Mars will say. So that exists in Braj. We receive this prospect of Bhakti in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. But again, as my Guru Maharaj will say, when you look closely at Bhakti at Brindavan, and all that Radha Krishna represents, you realize Mahaprabhu is there. The natural extension of that is Mahaprabhu, and, and he's Lila, for sure. He's not alone, and so many associates are there. So there comes this, this beautiful possibility of... And, and interest, interest, interestingly, it makes full circle, because... We are speak about God and the highest form of God and possible highest possible face of feature of God, Krishna Brindavan, and on top of that, in in, in the in the zenith of Krishna Lila, Gore Lila appears as something even higher, if you will. I don't want to fall into this higher lower thinking regarding the absolute, <laughs> but at the same time, you make full circle in the sense of okay, Gore Lila, Gore Lila, Gore Lila, the highest and. And we are part of the Gorlila somehow or other now here. And we are not the highest. <laughs> but that speaks how high is the Gorlila that it has the possibility of invite us into its fault. No? So that speaks about how high is the Gorlila. Because how low I am. <laughs> and I'm I'm part of that. I mean and I, and what did I do to be part of that? Basically nothing. <laughs> mm, actually I, I was acting right in the opposite direction in the sinful life exploitative tendency. So that attracted, again, the mercy of Nityananda, the mercy of Parampara and the Sadhus. 
So it's it's nice to to think about that. No, whatever I'm doing on the daily basis, uh, the proper things. When you behave nicely as a sadhak, of course, I mean that. <laughs> I will be able to do that eternally in, in in the Gaur Lila. So I will say that. I mean, personally, what I how I approach to that is basically trying to really um, accompany my devotional acts from with that type of sense of course it's not that at every single moment of, of your day you are thinking about that and forcing yourself to connect this i will be doing for eternity this i will be doing for eternity but at least to understand to know yes that's the idea whatever i'm doing i will be doing for eternity but only as much as i love to do that basically because again if it's still my practice is being conducted from a sense of obligation i have to do that i would like to do something else or something <laughs> I mean, you cannot like force yourself to do something you don't like. And on top of that project, I will be doing that for eternity. I mean, after five minutes, you will be become an atheist or something. <laughs> so first we should to, to first we need to understand properly uh, how nice are all these practices. And if I feel something not nice, be careful not to project that bitterness to the practice in themselves. But understand that's bitterness is in myself. The practices are sweet. The practices are so sweet that you can engage in them eternally. That's the potential of bhakti. So we should make friends gradually, if you will, with our daily sadhana and gradually purifying our heart and getting a taste. And then you can really feel totally identified and happy with doing that for eternity. In the beginning, again, for some people it may be too much. For example, it is say that bhakti not takur in Vrindavan his main service is to make comfort lamps for eternity. And you may ask, and what else? And I may tell you, that's all. Of course, he's doing many other things. It's not that as Kamala Manjari, he's only doing comfort lamps and nothing else. But main seva is doing comfort lamps. So imagine if I tell you, okay, and you ask him, Maharaj, can I have a service yet? You can do comfort lamps eight hours a day you can do other things but that's your main service and you may feel comfort lamps only that's my main service <laughs> so if one feels of things like this it means you do not understand yet what seva it goes beyond what you do it has to do with how you do that from which part and, and what's the offering actually the seva and the offering is not a comfort lamp a car a building skyscraper hundred thousand dollars it's your heart so at that stage, you, you will be giving yourself tip to toe in the form of a comfort lamp and another comfort lamp and another comfort lamp for eternity. <laughs> and you won't have a problem. Oh, I'm doing too many comfort lamps. I would like to change my service. Can I go and wash the dishes? Can I go and open a temple? Can I be a temple president? <laughs> Only comfort lamps. <laughs> so, so, so that speaks about all the things. No, I mean, if you analyze... What they are doing for eternity, I mean, again, we are doing what we will be doing in eternity. The only difference is Prem is missing yet in our particular case. In their case, it's their presence, so it makes complete. So I will say that thing, we should think about the things in this in this way and, and try to be at, in peace and happy with the prospect that whatever I'm doing, I will be doing for eternity. So it's not a matter of going somewhere else, basically. Mm -hmm. No, going somewhere. I already, I'm already there. 
I only have to take full advantage of whatever has already come, basically. So uh, for me, that's a very relieving idea. Hmm? It's quite much in, in connection with the ideas that sometimes Christians may have, like, you have been already saved from day one. Of course, you can abuse that idea also. But if you really understand what's the power of grace, and, and you do not go against that gift, you are saved, basically, already. It may take some time in order to you, for you officially to become that perfected being. We may say two, three lifetimes in our lineage. <laughs> but if that gift knocked on your door, you open the door, and you are willing to accept that sincerely, it's a matter of time that you will reach perfection. So in that, in that sense, we are already relieved from that part. Of course, not in a lazy way, not abusing that idea. I'm already saved, I'm already there, I'm perfect, I don't have to do anything. No, if you really understand the nature of the gift and, 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 and how you are saved properly, you will be doing your best in order to take it seriously, reciprocate with that properly, take full advantage of that, and so on. But the point is, yeah, we, we are not doing this for obtaining something more. So that speaks how high is bhakti. In any other process, you are doing karma or jnana to obtain something more. And as, as much as you get close to that goal, you reject the practice. As much as you get closer to swarga, heavenly planets, you reject your karma kanda practice. As much as you get close to moksha, to mukti, and brahman, you reject your jnana practice. As much as you get close to bhakti, to the goal of bhakti, you embrace further bhakti. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that speaks about the power of bhakti. It has no other goal above itself. So that speaks, that's the higher thing. Because if there is a goal higher than bhakti to bhakti, that goal will be higher than bhakti. But there's not, nothing higher than bhakti. So bhakti should be, has to be the goal. And bhakti is the practice. Sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, and prem bhakti. The word bhakti is always from day one till the end. So that, this takes a very unique and beautiful form in the prospect of, of Gaur Lila. So we should feel really fortunate that we have been found, as we mentioned the other day in the lecture of Vaishnava etiquette. To be a sadhaka means to be found. To be a conditioned soul is to be lost. To be a siddha means to have a, arrived home. To be sadhaka means I have been found. I have not reached home yet, but I have been found and I am on my way back home. I'm taking by the hand of the sadhus there. So it's just a matter of time. So we, we, we are really fortunate. We, are, we have been found. We are on the way home. And in one sense, again, we are already there. We have received everything already. All those things that we will be performing in eternity have given up to us in a golden plate. And Srila Maharaj will say, the only thing that we have to do, he will say, the only thing that is expected from us is a little bit of co collaboration from our side to accept the gift. That's all. The gift is being done, it's being extended to us, and the, the, the only thing they are asking is, please put your hand and receive the gift. Nothing else. But sometimes it, it feels too much for us. <laughs> no, I have to extend my hand, to open my hand, to receive the gift. I don't know, I don't know if I'm sure, I don't know if I trust the one who's given the gift. Still, those things are sometimes going on in the mind, so that is not allowing us to fully extend ourselves to receive the gift. But gradually, we are we are preparing for fuller and fuller acceptance of that, and and eventually we'll realize that okay, we were in Gorlila. Wow, we are already in Gorlila. We have not fully realized that, 
but eventually as, as the more seriously we take that we will realize I'm in Gorlila and you will realize hmm, your own identity simultaneously in Krishna Lila and, and your perfected expression as a sadhaka will be the one that will be playing itself out there in, in Nitya Navadip. So some ideas about how we can daily conceive this and of course when you hear this Gorastakaliya Lila and what the devotees are doing there in their daily schedule you can also realize oh they are in Sankirtan oh they are visiting the Vaishnavas oh they are sharing Prasad oh no so that is kind of a reminder oh I'm doing those things here also and they are doing those things there of course in a very unique way very static way <laughs> but that's pointing to how I should be doing those things here now gradually and when I do it, them perfectly and perfectly, I'm there. And again, this is not a geographical movement. It's a consciousness movement. When you pay proper attention in the proper direction, you are there. And that, that was the movement, <laughs> the journey in terms of, of consciousness. So, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Nityanabhadu ki jai. I hope that helps, Bhakti Shakti. Yes, very much. Thank you. It was no, very, very, okay. very nice. Thank you, for the, thank you for the question. So what else? We have the fourth fourth question. Yes, it's from Radha Giridari. Okay. It's a, uh, she says, I uh, but I feel I miss, I miss a lot the association of the devotees. I can see them only outside the temple, uh, meeting in the park, but it's a different context somehow. I wonder if this is a sign of weak faith. Can you please comment on this? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think the COVID dynamics <coughs> are... Of course, we could we could speak of them in, ter in negative terms, mm, all the difficulties it has created, and we can go on forever in that direction. But I don't think that's very wise because we won't change anything by going deep in that direction. I mean, we may change something for worse in the sense of feeling ourselves worse and depressed and discouraged. But if we try to take advantage of that, of course, we can extract so many teachings from in so many directions and uh, one of them in, in the context of your question will be well um, this COVID is, 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 is creating this situation of separation from the Vaishnavas on one level physical separation because we are here now already we are together and, and I think also we have organized more lectures in many ways than, than ever <laughs> the other day one devotee was telling me that oh, I'm, I'm Bless COVID, he was saying, because with this COVID, we have so many lectures. We had never had so many lectures in, in my life and here and there. And I had much more time for that. So I'm, more, I'm having more Harikata than ever in my life. So, of course, with this, we are not saying let's keep COVID active and I, won't, I don't want to meet the Buddha physically anymore. We are not saying that at all. But the point is, the situation is there. And according to certain particular personal dynamics, some may not be able to go to the temple, as the example of Radha Giridari and, and the little Christina. Uh, and I understand the point, of course, I'm not saying, no, anyhow, you go to the temple with the baby and, and, and Krishna will protect you. And, no, because 
we have to also be, I mean, Krishna protects, but also you have to use your, your criterion, of, of course. Uh, so I will say that COVID in that sense is creating this separation situation where you are not able to fully meet with the devotees as you, as you may like, and in that distance, you start to feel, oh, I would like to. And your heart grows fonder. And your feelings internalize and become more condensed. And if you will prepare you for the next meeting, I don't know where it will happen, <laughs> but, because it's not very clear what that will happen regarding COVID and all that. But the point is, try to use this, this moment of distance, if you will, for increasing your... And I'm not saying this only to Radhagiridari, for sure, it's for to all of us, to increase our introspection and contemplation and appreciation of the gift. Because sometimes we have the gift too available very easily and we can go at the temple any day we want and maybe we never go. <laughs> because we already got accustomed to that. Oh yes, the temple, yeah, weekly program, daily program, this, that. Yeah, it, it, be, it becomes part of, of an ordinary sequence of events in our daily life. And that shouldn't happen for sure. So sometimes we, we have this type of interruptions, no? unexpected interruptions that change all our life and everything goes in other in other direction. But we have the chance of, from that distance, okay, now put everything on the scale and realizing which are the important things and what are the things that are really most important for me. I'm missing this. Why I'm missing this? And, and pray to Krishna and increase our attachment for the Vaishnava. So the separation has a purpose. I mean, it's there in the Lila for eternity, going back to the eternality of Gaur Lila and Krishna Lila, especially when it comes to earth. Separation is so prominent, so prominent. And we should know how to deal with separation in so many ways. It is a form of separation. There are so many separations. What to speak with, when I don't know, a very beloved Vaishnava lived this world, what to speak in some case that the guru will pass away. Maybe one will pass away before, you don't know. But all those things will happen, for sure. So the point is, oh, Kopalandini, Krishna Chaitanya was infiltrated into the Bulgarian community. Okay, if you speak Bulgarian, no problem. That's, that's the only rule here. I do not, but what to do? <laughs> so my point is... Uh, I mean, we should be ready to enter into the fire of separation. And there are so many levels of flames, if you will, of that. So COVID offers one of those, you know, to, to taste separation. And in separation, increase union, basically. Increase internal union. This is a concept we receive in our school. Union in separation. So this doesn't mean that I like separation so much that I don't want union anymore. No, I mean, the only purpose of separation is to increase the joy of union. Because you cannot speak of union if there is no separation whatsoever. I mean, if there is no separation, there is no union. Because you are always there. <laughs> so, separation is required for a further union, if you will. A more, a more fundamental meeting with the Vaishnavas in this case. So, I will say that, of course. Meanwhile, if we are not for by the force of circumstance in a really unavoidable case we cannot meet with the devotees in any single way at least we have online meetings so we should be very grateful to all the great brains in society and the technological community that have developed zoom and all that even though we may never know who they are but <laughs> but i mean 
I, I don't know how to figure out a program like Zoom. I don't know how to figure out even one single electronic cable. I, I, don't, I have no brain for that. Someone did that, and we are taking advantage of that. So we are blessed. Imagine a COVID without Zoom, without online meetings. There you will be really lamenting about, I don't have Sadhusanga, I don't have Sadhusanga. <laughs> so we, that may be a chance of appreciating this type of meetings. No, because all we can say, yes, it's nice, but I miss the, the personal, physical association with the devotees. I get the point. I, I'm not saying soon we'll replace it all. But also we can go deeper into our appreciation of whatever is available to us now and take full advantage of that. I, that's my point. Because I should question myself in that sense. Okay, I don't have chance, let's say, like you mentioned, rather get it that because you have the baby and you cannot meet in a maybe close place with the devotees. You can meet in open place. You can organize some public programs with the devotees in some square park. That can be, if you want, in an open place <laughs> for you, for the devotees. I mean, it, it takes some uh, thinking and, and, and using our ideas. But um, beyond that, my point is, let's say you can, one cannot even do that. And one can only meet the devotees via Zoom, in this case, only, quote-unquote. So I will say, instead of us lamenting, oh, I would like also to meet them in person, first I will ask, am I taking full advantage of the Zoom meetings? Because if I'm not doing that, I mean, I, I'm expecting more, but I'm not doing my part in relation to whatever is available now. So I will ask myself, I'm taking full advantage of the meetings in the Sadhu Sangha, the Harikata that we are having online, or I'm just thinking, ah, oh, yes, nice, but, and I'm putting this but very quickly. Mm -hmm. So uh, once this idea came to me, you know, that as much as you, one of the ways of measuring your spiritual advancement is that as much as you advance, there will be less, you will use the word but less and less times in, in your vocabulary. You will have less and less excuses, if you will. Less and less, but, but, no. <laughs> so, I will say that we are having lots of Harikata, lots of Sadhu Sangha online. And in one point, and that's an important point for me, yes, this is not physical. But the point is, Sadhu Sangha is not physical at all. It's not a physical issue. I mean, we, we have, yeah, we have Bapu. There's the Bapu aspect of service to Guru and Vaishnavas. Guru is coming, Sadhu is coming to our life. We will come, put the garland, wash the clothes, cook, cook for him, her, some massage, whatever. But the Bani is all important, above, above the Bapu. The instruction, the, the message, the example of the person. And as I mentioned, at one point the person will no longer be physically present with us. I mean, that's for sure. You have to understand that will happen at one point that person will not be anymore in this world. Or you won't be anymore in this world. I mean, I don't know who will live first. So my point is, I, 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 am I to stop my association with that person because that person left from this world? That's, that's not the idea. Srila Sermas always mentioned this. If the Guru is leaving the world, he gave, the, of course, he's given there, in Sri Gurus, his great, the most extreme example of that. Guru is passing away from the world. This is not uh, something the devotee likes to speak about, but at the same time, it's something one needs to speak about. <laughs> so what to do? And he will say, at that moment comes the real test. And that moment, you will see who is a real disciple, he says. 
Because at that moment you will see who continues associating and serving his guru, her guru, or who stops that because the physicality is no longer present. So that's an important point. Are we are we here just to relate to each other on the physical level? That's so that's so impermanent. I mean, if I if I only conceive my con relation with you on physical terms, I mean, personally, I feel I'm insulting you, <laughs> basically, because I mean, if you are if there is something you are not, it's your physicality, basically. So if I limit my relation to you to the physical side of our connection. That's not too much. Again, I'm not saying with this. So so now for you to pass a test, you will no longer associate with each other for 10 years and only Zoom and go to the essence of the thing. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I mean, all of us are, 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 are hoping for this to to stop and, and to be able to meet again, all of us, in somehow, some way or another, I'm sure. But if that's not possible for some reason or another, we should also be practical and know, okay, how am I to deal with this? So I, I have to increase my saragrahi spirit, my essentialist capacity to, to to go deeper into this distance, into this separation, take more essence from that, enter into a more substantial way of sadhu sangha and kirtan and, and all that. And for sure, that will prepare our hearts for our next again physical quote unquote meeting. That will be the idea. I, I'm sure that all of us will meet each other again. On, on physical terms, if you will. But also I hope that that meeting will be really enhanced by all this period of separation that each of us has to go, th go through forcibly, if you will. And that will create a very special joy and meeting. And you will find that in the Lila. The devotees in Navadip going to visit Mahaprabhu once in a year for Chaturmasya and spending with him for months, but after that, returning. So separation, eight months in the year, separation, separation, burning in the forest fire of separation. After that, reunion and upgraded form of reunion. And after that, separation. <laughs> but after that, reunion. And of course, in the separation, they were absorbed in internal union with Mahaprabhu. That's real separation. It's not that you are really distant from the person. You are getting closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. Because your feelings are being internalized more and more. And when you meet the person outside, all that condensed emotion explodes and externalizes. It takes another form. There are two, two my Guru Mahārāj will say, two tides. The high tide and the low tide of the ocean. But we are in the same ocean, if you will. We are not getting out of the ocean. It may take the form of low tide of separation, high tide of union. So... Let's take advantage of the COVID. <laughs> Let's keep increasing our hmm, connection with the sadhus in the most substantial possible way. It's really uncomfortable for sure. It's throwing us out of the comfort zone. <laughs> and, it's, it's, and it's showing us where we are standing at present. And if it's getting difficult, it's showing you need to become deeper. You need to go deeper. You need to go deeper. And, and take the opportunity, not just thinking... No, no, but I only need the devotees in front of me and only then I will have the chance of... No, no, try the opportunities you have now. And again, this is not for Gradha Giridhar exclusively. This is first of all for Swami Padmanabha and then for whoever may like to <laughs> to feel identified with that. 
And again, if you can organize something, you can meet with some devotees, open air, and here we have online meeting. We try to take as much resources as we can, but if there is something that goes out of our control, okay. So that point when I cannot do anything about it, that's when I can go inward, if you will, and go deeper and change myself. I cannot change anything outside. I cannot make the world function differently. I can change my world. I can change my inner functioning and how to approach things. So I hope that helps Radhakiridari and all actually present there. So thank you for your question. Yeah, thank you, Maharaj, very much. Nice that was very valuable what you said about do we take full advantage of the online meetings? This is also mm -hmm. very nice. Point. Yeah. Thank you. Christina is doing Kirtan there in the background. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's nice. So, yeah, we have to take full advantage because, again, we also make it get overtly accustomed to this. Oh, yeah, online meeting, weekly meeting, monthly meeting, all that class, that class, and it becomes ordinary. And we lose sight of the extraordinariness of that. It, it, it remains extraordinary. I mean, it's not, it never ordinary, but we can project that. So we should maintain, take care of our ambition yeah, and, and appreciation. So what else, Mahaprabhu? We have... More questions? One more? Two more? What do you say? Uh, we can we can have two. Uh, I mean, there can be a second one, but uh, the the first one, the next one is from Duyao again, and it's uh, should we directly pray to Nityananda, and in which way and when? Nityananda Prabhu. I mean, there is not necessarily one fixed rule. No, you should pray to Nityananda in this way, in that way. I mean, there are so many ways. And <laughs> Nityananda himself is, if you will, one way, or one face of the Absolute, as we were saying the other day in our theology. And that's very complex because we have so many faces of the Absolute. And of course, as, as, as Maguru Maharaj said the other day, he spoke of them as the Absolute having lots of emotions and all of, them, all of those emotions personifying themselves taking the form of a person and he himself interacting with those personified emotions of his own. That's like, for sure your mind will explode <laughs> trying to think about that. But that can happen in the, in the higher realm. So Nityananda Prabhu, as you know, has represents many things for sure, not only one emotion, these personalities are not limited to one thing. But as much as we get, I mean, I think this also has to do with how much we are acquainted with who they are. Because, of course, if we don't have a clear picture of who is Nityananda Prabhu, who is Gadadhar Pandit, who is Mahaprabhu, who is this, who is that, you are you may not feel a particular uh, affinity or inclination towards addressing them in one way or another. Also, you need to know how to address them, which is the mood to address them. Again, there are certain parameters to we need to be educated in. And for example, you cannot address Mahaprabhu and ask, according to our Sampradaya list, and, and ask him, give me Gopi Bab in, in Navadvip. I want to be a manjari of yours in Navadvip. That will be Gornagar. I mean, that's something that we do not consider orthodox in our tradition. So also there is some some rules, if you will, to learn about how to approach each phase of the Absolute according to the mood they are in. That's an important point because each aspect of the Absolute is 
vibrating in a particular mood. So we are to approach them in order to serve them in their mood, not to disturb their mood, not to project our own mood and try to make them adapt to our mood. <laughs> but eventually the idea is we adapt to their mood and we are there to live and, and serve forever in, in, that, in that way. So this is a, a, a process that will take time for sure. It's not that you will take some weekend seminar and you already know how to deal with, with, with that in forever <laughs> or something like this. Gradually we are learning who is Nityananda, who is Sri Chaitanya, who is Sri Guru, who is this, who is Krishna, who is Radha, who is, which is the mood of Braja Lila, which is the mood of Gaur Lila, and how to, which is my present mood, <laughs> which may have nothing to do with Gaur Lila or Krishna Lila at some point sometimes. So how to gradually enter into the mood, which is not imitation also, which is not just forcing something, but it should be a natural irresistible call and choice. So that may take time. So gradually, I will re I will emphasize this. You basically try to... to and, and again, this is not only going to Dayal Nittai, but of course you have that name, Dayal Nittai, so it's natural you will ask me about Dayal Nittai. <laughs> and the name itself says Dayal Nittai, no? merciful Nittai. So Nityananda represents, I mentioned, this extreme mercy, but also I will say... In the case of Nityananda, who is the object of your question, we could conceive that Nityananda Prabhu, uh, as much as we speak about him as a personified emotion of the Absolute, being himself the Absolute, <laughs> he uh, like repersonifies him, if you will, extends that personification, the figure of, of the Guru. Of the Guru. Diksha Guru, Siksha Gurus, those, those personalities that for us are the most prominent guru uh, representatives. So in them, we may fi find and feel a more concrete mm, connection that sometimes that just praying to Nityananda. I'm not saying you cannot pray to Nityananda at, at all, but my point is, in some cases, we need a more, if you will, direct connection. We may feel more direct connection with a human being, let's say, we event that we will realize it's not a human being, actually, <laughs> Sri Guru, the Sadhu, but uh, that may be necessary. So not, do not also try to force yourself, Nityananda or Mahaprabhu or even God in some form. And of course, they are there and it's nice to to increase our awareness of, of the divine in all of, of, of its faces, but also we get to know about them through the agency of, of the Sadhu. So I will say that the best way to to have a grasp of what Nityananda is all about, try to get closer to to his his representatives, the agents of his mercy, basically. So that has to do with with those sadhus that are living in this world in that way, mercifully. And that that's the main, the very first quality of the sadhu described in the scripture, Kripalu. He, she is merciful. And that's the very first thing you will say in connection to Nityananda as well. And from the lips of the sadhu you will learn about Nityananda himself, how to conceive Nityananda. But I will say overall, the, 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 the general approach, and again, this is not some fixed rule. You can only approach in these terms. But the overall approach is, we are. I'm, I'm getting closer to the department of costless mercy. So we should get acquainted which are the implications of that? Why I'm getting closer to that department, 
how I am to present myself there. As I mentioned in the beginning, we spoke a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Costless mercy means, I mean, if I approach that department, it means I have somehow or other, for sure the department approached me first without even myself noticing that. <laughs> and that's why now I'm trying to get closer to it. That, that should be a fact. I mean, if, if we are trying to approach Krishna, it's because Krishna approached you first. I mean, he, he's always doing the first, the kickstart. So we are trying to return the embrace, if you will, the hug we received. That's a fact. That's our attempt at sadhakas. No, first, it came from that side. Now we are trying to say something, give something in return. So when we are trying to give something in return, we should realize, well, that, that gift was totally undeserved. And I realized that I cannot get to that point by myself. So this type of insight should be in us when approaching someone like Nityananda Prabhu. He represents something that I cannot earn by my own merit. So we are not there to project like meritocracy, if you will. I deserve, it's my own, I have done it. No. So some humility, considerable humility is required in, in order to do so. And, and, and that will really constitute an approach. Because if not, you are not getting closer. I mean, Sila Prabhupada translated Pranipatina in the Bhagavad Gita, verse 434, when he spoke, this verse speaks about you have to surrender to the Guru. Pranipat means surrender. But Prabhupada translates, you have to approach the Guru. So that's interesting. And he mentioned that. To approach the Guru means in terms of surrender. You're walking towards the Guru is in terms of surrender. And the Guru is representing Nityananda. So we are to, to give ourselves to that higher domain. We are to trust that there are certain things that we cannot grasp, we cannot understand, we cannot obtain without intervention of that department. We have to go through some experience in order to have that conviction. It's not we, we have to force ourselves to accept something that we do not even believe in. So as much as we get that conviction and we receive further impressions from the sadhus who have that same conviction in a deeper way, we may be able to get closer and closer and closer in terms of Saranagati to approach Nityananda in that term. So I will say that. And of course, if you ask for mercy... Mercy means underserved gift, and that underserved gift is in the context of bhakti. No, it's not so much nitin. And I know I do not deserve a million dollars, but please give me mercy. No, I mean, when we are asking for mercy, it's not only that I do not deserve it, but it's, it's a type of, of gift we are praying for. And, and, as I, and, as I, and as I said before, in great part, the gift is already there. So we will, instead of praying, give me the gift, we will pray, help me to appreciate the gift that has already came to my life. I shouldn't be too much concerned about having more, having more things coming, more blessings, and more mercy. In one point, I should pray, give me the mercy to appreciate the mercy that already knocked on my door. Because you can also become quite ungrateful in the context of begging for mercy. And just becoming an uh, an excessive beggar, beggar of mercy. Give me more, give me more. And, and, and mercy will tell you, but there's so much there and you are not taking advantage. You are asking more even. So <laughs> we should be really, like, we, have, we should have integrity regarding what has already came to our lives. Again, as I mentioned before, take full advantage of that. And as much as we do so, 
we will be able to, to of course, receive further degrees and doses of that eventually. So some words regarding, of course, Nityananda Prabhu. As much as we get again further and further educated into his life, Chaitanya Bhagavat is a very nice book to get to a, a, a greater grasp on, on, on Nityananda Prabhu's life. So that's also a recommended study. So there was one more question, Mahaprabhu, or I don't know. Yeah, I have a question. If okay. we, if you think we have time for, for yeah, the next time, yeah, we have some minutes. Yes, uh, <clears throat> it's about a personal experience of mine uh, uh, from recent time. I somehow, on few occasion, I feel like I reached the limit of my faith, which I, with, with, by this I mean the the stage at which I start to doubt, <clears throat> and uh, at this level I started to realize that maybe most of the time I have been using Krishna, let's say, and the whole concept as a matter, a way of uh, psychologizing and explaining certain behaviors of the world and in me. Let's say, just for example, if I don't want to engage in a conflict, I can use the philosophy to justify this. You know? But at this point, uh, I realized that it's not that I truly believe, because if I truly believe, I wouldn't feel this anxiety I'm feeling that is caused by something that I perceive as a problem, you know. And uh, uh, and then I was uh, this creates creates still a big disturbance in myself because I, I realized that the fact is that I don't really believe. It's like I, I can say Krishna is this and uh, I can read and repeat while I listen. Okay, I understand, I accept the idea, but actually I don't really realize it. And if there is some problem, I'm not, I'm actually more inclined to take the shelter in, of Maya in whatever way this comes, I mean, than to truly say, okay, this comes from Krishna, etc., etc. And it's, and this hits me now because I normally don't get really easily disturbed by some uh, conflicts in my life. I have, to, to my profession, I easily overcome my psychology. But this thing caught me out, you know, from the blind spot, so I couldn't react. So I had this realization that I don't actually believe, and I don't actually believe, and if I analyze my behavior, it, it supports this. Because my sadhana is not so as it should be. My interest in, let's say, the philosophy in the books, it's not a one that is that would suggest real interest. And at this point, it's like it's using something to <clears throat> psychologize again my behavior and to more easily digest the world. But actually, there is no faith there. So. Mm. Uh, so what to do? What to do? And, and, and it's very unpleasant because and I see, I, I observe my behavior, how I continuously choose, as I said, to take shelter in Maya. And it's easier and more uh, comforting for me. <laughs> and this goes on and on, you know. And, 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 and this takes me further than even what I have, you know, because now I don't believe in my motivation also. And like... 
why do why do I want to chant? Because if I wanted really to chant, I was going to chant. And now, you know, this all the <laughs> things that <laughs> and, then, and uh, uh, it's not very pleasant situation to be. But other, on the other hand, it's good to realize because I. Then I'm thinking that oh yes, all the great devotees say that don't they don't believe, but I know that I'm no great devotee, and I know that I truly I don't believe. <laughs> In the, <laughs> you know, it's not like that. This is my uh, bhava coming. It's the, the actual truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, if you can comment on this. Yes. So thank you so much for your sincerity of sharing this because. I mean, that may be embarrassing for some to, to express that, but I, I, I really feel, I appreciate that you are brave enough to to mention. I mean, you are not presenting the question in, in third person. No? That may happen to someone. I heard someone that told me that it's me. <laughs> I'm going through that tunnel now. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Have, have faith in that. <laughs> but... Of course, this is the last question, and I have already spoken like 80 minutes, so I will say something, but the point is that the question deserves a, a whole lecture, basically, and more, a whole lifetime of practice. <laughs> I will try to say something for sure. Again, first of all, I appreciate your <clears throat> your authenticity and your sincerity, and I think that's, that already speaks for itself. That already speaks about... Uh, gives hope, if you will. You should find hope in, in, in the fact that you can, you are able to, willing to recognize those things, even though they may seem embarrassing. There Gopal Nandini is saying, you are not alone, Mahaprabhu. And I think all of us will join into the, into the call, into the, into the same message. So that's an important point. That was a good point Gopal Nandini made, because sometimes in the midst of such turmoil that won't last forever that's important to understand that i mean it's not that every single day of my life from here to eternity will be like that <laughs> but even though when i'm that in, in just in the midst of, of the trinavarta if you will no, to understand oh i'm not i'm not alone in this turmoil i'm not alone in this <laughs> i see someone flying with me over there like this <laughs> So that's sadhusanga also. We accompany each other even in in in, in the most embarrassing moments. You know? and that that I mean, my guru Mahesh once say this. I mean, sadhusanga means at the end of the day, you sit together in a circle, and you share with each other how you failed today, <laughs> and and how you can do better tomorrow, and what should be improved, and how you give support to each other in order to gain strength and hope. But also, again, this, la this part of sincerity, integrity, authenticity, vulnerability, all those things will attract empowerment. I mean, and, and that's important. And, and again, I, I wouldn't say you have no faith and you are losing faith and all this was a, a far, how do you say in English, like, like a show, a false thing, it never happened, it was an illusion, because one can go doubt to that point. No, and, and, and I'm not against doubt. Of course, doubt is really helpful, proper doubt to nourish faith. I mean, there's a, doubt has a big role in nourishing faith, in make, making faith more substantial. As you are, I think that's what you are going through now. You have had some type of faith. There are levels of faith. It's not, I have faith, I have no faith. 
or I actually we can speak about I have degrees of faith in quantity, but also we can speak about I have degrees of faith in shades of faith in quality. There is a quality of faith. So in the beginning we may have not too much faith in quantity and not too high faith in quality. <laughs> but we have to begin somewhere. And, and from those initial stages, that level of faith was more than okay. For many years we were just like conducting ourselves in practice with the struggles and so on. But we felt that's enough. I'm doing that. Let's continue. And that's okay. You shouldn't discourage that person saying, you are a canista. You don't realize you are a neophyte yet, but that's not the deepest type of faith. That will be crazy to say something like that. I mean, you should honor that faith because it's, it's a, it's a degree of Bhakti Dev is coming to our life. It's still to be improved, but I mean, give time to that person. It's like if you go to Christina, to your baby and say, Christina, why you are not walking yet? Why you have not learned the alphabet? Why you're not, I mean, she will say, stop, wait, wait a minute, I'm a baby. Let me, allow me to be a baby for a while. No? <laughs> I, I need to urinate myself yet. No? I need my mother to change me. I mean, it's part of my Kumar Lila. <laughs> so similar, we can speak in these terms regarding degrees of faith, developments of faith. But again, as you mentioned, you may get a point, and we may call that a crisis, and that's no problem. The word crisis is not doesn't need to be a negative concept. Crisis means just like a breaking through, basically. So it's a like it's a like transition point where certain degree of faith, in this case, certain conception of faith is no longer enough. But it doesn't mean everything was false, nothing worked. It means I need a high, an upgraded, I need to download a higher version of it. I, I don't feel I can continue with this type of faith, with this type of conception, with this type. And it's perfect. That was the idea. I mean, we were expecting that to happen. Krishna will be like clapping. And the sadhus will be saying, yes, this was the moment we were expecting that you realize there is more. And again, you may feel that, oh, this is a crisis. I may have no faith at all. This was a whole show, but nothing like that. It's not like that. I'm sure. I know you. No. <laughs> So, uh, but it's, 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 it's correct what you are saying. I mean, I also appreciate what you are saying. Do I believe? Do I really believe? Uh, then I, later I will share with you one link from one video that I consider was very interesting. It's a video from, uh, well, you, you will know for sure, maybe you may know him. It's a psychologist, Christian psychologist called Jordan Peterson. Maybe you have heard about oh, him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, have you seen the video when they someone asked him if he believes in God? Uh, I've seen one one video, one such video. I don't know if it's only one. Give me one minute. I'm looking for it here in YouTube just right now. So I, I, here it is. Sure. I will share the the link with you in the chat because I won't put it now in the screen. It may be too much, but there is the the, the link to the video. Later, you can all of you can tell. See, it is three minutes only. It's part of an interview. And someone asks him, do you believe in God? No, someone asks him, why every time someone asks you if you believe in God, you say, I act as if I believe in God. That, that's his general reply. When someone asks, do you believe in God? You say, I ask as, as if I believe. So someone asks, why do you say so? And you don't say, I believe in God. So he starts to unfold all the, not all, but a good amount of implications. What it must be to believe in God. How should I really behave myself if I really grasp 
the concept of real believing God. So in that point he ends saying, I do not feel like I can say I believe in God. That's too much. <laughs> but it, a point, of, of course the point is we should go to the we should not go to the other extreme saying I have no faith at all, no belief, everything was false, because it's not like that. But be careful of not putting like the a very high standard of of, of course belief in its ultimate sense is something that we will end all of us will conclude we are atheistic <laughs> because we are not yet on that level but it doesn't mean we are nowhere again it's not black and white black and white be careful with the black or white structure Mahaprabhu hmm? <laughs> I know you <laughs> and all of us have something of that again and it's part of the process we tend to go want want to tend we, we establish the ideal, and the ideal is so high, so high, especially in our tradition, such a high prospect, that we can become discouraged very easily. Because we may feel, I'm not, I'm not there, and I'm not even close to that place. And I, every day passes, I realize I'm farther and further from there. Because it keeps growing and growing. But actually it means you're appreciating the ideal in a deeper way every time more, every time more. Even though you may feel, I'm farther and farther. That will happen forever maybe you will advance and advance and you will feel <laughs> i'm lower and lower but you are getting closer and closer that's really paradoxical but how that's how it works when we start to speak in, in mystical terms so many apparent contradictions and we need to solve and deal with them internally it's not black and white it's not everything is expected as i thought and as if everything works here so i would say that no i mean you have belief but the doubt that came to you is just Yes, you are in a healthy way. You can question how you did certain things till now, and it doesn't mean that you will condemn how you did those things. You have just to understand that was proper for that particular stage, and now I'm being called to a higher stage, and that's why I'm feeling this. But I'm not dismissing my past. That's also important. So I'm, I I appreciate that, and and, and the way I, I I show my appreciation to that is now I will upgrade that. I will do that in the best way. I will increase the quality of my offering. This and, and this will happen on a daily basis, I can tell you. If you are doing progress, Silas Siramarash says that. What does it mean, progress? Constant acceptance and rejection. Acceptance and rejection. Hmm? Today's perfection is tomorrow's imperfection. And in the same way, the next day and the next day. Not in a neurotic way, but... It, it, it has to happen. It's not enough. Now you feel it's not enough. Yeah, I, I need more. I need more. So that type of thirst is a confirmation that you are doing things properly, that mercy is coming to your life. You are no longer satisfied with that degree of faith, that degree of surrender, that degree of whatever. And a higher call is coming. So a higher mercy is knocking on your door. And that's what's creating this doubt. It's not a problem. I'm doing something terribly wrong. All this pro the process is not working. No, actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> but we should understand how it works. Because if you misunderstand what's going on, you may think, oh, everything is going on wrongly from my side, from the practice itself. And, and maybe everything is going on perfectly. <laughs> but it's not taking the form that you thought it was supposed to take. You know, so that, sometimes that's the problem. main part of our problem is we idealize how it should be happening, everything including our spiritual progress. And Krishna will just come and 
kick the whole thing out and say, this is how it will happen. As you less expected, welcome to spiritual life. Is that now enter the realm of the unknown paradox, unexpected things, but at the same time feeling, feeling support, feeling there is something there, there is someone there. Again, it may seem the other day I was reading Richard Rohr. I'm reading Richard Rohr. It's a nice book I'm reading now. It's called The Sacred Now among some other books I'm reading. <clears throat> and at one point he's mentioning one idea in Christianity, that they speak this paradoxical experience of the saintly Christians, that this, on one side, experience primal foundation, a deep like foundation sustaining them, and on the other side, they experience abyss. You understand the word abyss? I think I'm pronouncing that properly in English. Yes. So, I think uh, abyss. Yeah, maybe the, the emptiness. Yeah, the the accent maybe is not the best in my case. Yeah. So one side you have foundation, and the other side you have abyss. The two of them at the same time. <laughs> you are jumping into the absolute, and you feel there is some foundation there, but at the same time, there is overwhelming simultaneously. So we should develop the capacity to deal with those things inside ourselves. Again, to deal with paradox, to deal with grace in between black and white and all that takes change and yet changes may be presented as crisis but we shouldn't misunderstood them as problems this shouldn't be happening this is a symptom that i'm doing something wrong because you can really go neurotic to the extreme and end up doubting about everything but everything and krishna says in the gita the person who is doubting only for the sake of doubting I mean, won't attain happiness in this life nor in the next. So the doubt has a purpose, but the purpose is to nourish faith. So in this case, I see that the doubts you are presenting are all, I feel them as a byproduct of your faith. And the doubt is, is coming to upgrade your faith and to reach a higher level of vision where you can be more satisfied with your own integrity. So it's nice that you are able to see this and what to speak share that publicly <laughs> and so we can we may be nourished by your own testimony because I, i'm sure that all of the present one will feel identified in some way or another of course we are in different stages but some of us have already gone through that some of us may be there now with you fully <laughs> some of us may have not reached that part yet but it's nice to know in advance which will be the nature of the path at some point of the <laughs> ladder so somehow or other, it's nice that we, we are able to, well, to have this type of meetings now, to, to share our minds, to open our, rip apart our chests <laughs> and share our hearts and feel we are not alone and feel that our doubt is, is a, has a purpose. So, and again, as I mentioned before, do not feel this will last forever because sometimes that may be the main anxiety, like, oh my God. Now this came, this will be here for... No, 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 it's, it's just for one for some time, but I have to learn the lesson. That doubt is, is ringing. So as much as you really grasp that and take advantage of that and let yourself be nourished by that, not to question the process in itself, not to question even your own integrity, but to just understand what's going on. A new degree of conception is coming. So I... That's that's what's happening. So I need to open myself to that. And it may take time, 
and it may hurt a little bit because we are not able sometimes to open ourselves too much <laughs> and to adapt to a new stage. It takes time and, and like what everything, if you are like like raising some weight at the beginning, it may hurt a little bit your arms, but you are exercising your muscles. So now we are exercising our heart. Sometimes you are not exercising that much. So when you move a little bit, it's, oh, it's painful. I don't like, I will stop. No, no, continue. That's a symptom that it's working. <laughs> So I will, I will, I will advise you in that direction, uh, and of course this goes beyond your own personal example. As usual, it applies to all of us somehow or other. But I, I really appreciate your your braveness, bravery. How do you say in English? <laughs> uh, to to present the topic and to speak for many of us actually that that sometimes may not feel brave enough to to, to say I am the one in there. <laughs> But gradually we should feel inspired to do so because we, we have nothing to hide. And, and, and all, the, all, all of this is glorious because this is part of being a sadhaka. Let me finish with that. That's what Vishwanath uh, Chakravarti Thakur makes when he describes the Anishtita Bhajana Kriya, these six stages of instability in bhakti. What he's saying actually, ultimately, is this is part of bhakti. This has to happen in the glorious context of devotion. All these embarrassing moments and crises and ups and downs, um, as he describes, even in a tragic, comical way. <laughs> and you may feel, oh my God. But he says, but all that is going on as, as a process, as a part of Bhakti, and that's confirming you are in the path. And that's confirming you are going through the, the, the stages of Bhakti. So you need to go through those things. Not, it's not that... Uh, uh, Forever that will happening will be happening, but that will happen at some point, and you should allow that to happen. I mean, do not be in denial, of course. No, that's, that's, it doesn't work, but also do not fully embrace that in a as it is the all in all, because it's just one chapter, one section of one step of the ladder that is coming to nourish ourselves in a particular way. So we should let that nourish us with proper guidance, because if not by ourselves, we may get misguided a little bit what's going on here <laughs> but with proper guidance and, uh, and support we will go through through the stage and we will be able again to nourish from that and, and, and eventually we will be look, looking back to that chapter and say thank you Nityananda Prabhu thank you Krishna for throwing me into that pool of bewilderment <laughs> I learned so much from that remember the most important lessons will be coming in the most so-called problematic moments. There are no problems, but if we are feeling a problem, it means we have to learn something there. So, so really open yourself to absorb and learn and grow in this particular difficult moment and the greatest solutions and blessings will be coming. And of course, with that, we'll be preparing for the following crisis and so on. And that's how we progress. I mean, that's progress. You will go through crisis after crisis. But realizing crisis is not a bad word. It's not a negative thing. Everything is suspicious. We are fully blessed. Remember, all this is happening in the context of bhakti, in the context of the mercy of the sadhu. So it must have a higher purpose. So gradually we are trying to to align with that. So, so I hope that helps. I would like to extend myself for an extra hour on the topic, but I, I have some other things to do here. And for sure you, you as well, you do as well. So thank you very much, Mahaprabhu, for your question. And thank you, all of you, for your questions and, and, and your presence, usually. It's not only a physical presence, and we are 
it's, it's, it's an inner presence and, and, and I feel that so your participation is <laughs> goes beyond the, the mere physicality so thank you very much for sharing with me your your gracious association I feel very happy and blessed with that and hope to see you very soon at, at least next month for our monthly Q&A Trila Gurudev Ki Jai Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Sri Chaitanya Dev Krishna Slila Ki Jai Abir Bab Mahotsaditi Srila Narottam Das Thakur Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Brinda Ki Jai Gaur Praman Haribo <laughs>